Good morning. It's Monday, September the 25th in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm J.D. Walt, and this is your wake-up call. Let's begin this week and this day with consecration. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Jesus, I belong to you. I lift up my heart to you. I set my mind on you. I fix my eyes on you. I offer my body to you as a living sacrifice. Jesus, we belong to you. And we're praying in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's entry is entitled, The Grammar of a Martyr. Our text is chapter 7 of Acts this week, today, verses 1 to 10. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then the high priest asked Stephen, Are these charges true? To this he replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even enough ground to set his foot on. But God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land, even though at that time Abraham had no child. God spoke to him in this way. For four hundred years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, God said, and afterward they will come out of that country and worship me in this place. Then he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. And Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him eight days after his birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. The Word of the Lord Now consider this. Are these charges true? Simple question, right? Yes or no answer. 
not a chance. Stephen does not defend himself. He does not blame someone else. He does not in any way seek his own vindication, nor does he play the victim. In fact, he does not reference himself at all. Stephen answers the question with a story. It's worth making a few observations about how a biblical storyteller works. Number one, first, Stephen appeals to his hearers, not as adversaries, but as brothers and fathers. He steers clear of the you brood of vipers approach of John the Baptist. He greets his hearers with grace. Number two, second, he begins with the shared foundation on which they stand, the grounds of their relationship, Abraham. Third, and most significantly, he tells the story from a decidedly God-centered point of view. Note how he begins. The God of glory appeared to Abraham. Now, watch this. If you want to see how a biblical storyteller works, you must get down into the grammar. Who gets the verbs? God or Abraham? By my count, and I'm counting from the English translation and not the Hebrew, God gets eight verbs across these first eight verses. Abraham gets one. The God of glory appeared, said, sent, gave, promised, spoke, punished, gave. As for Abraham's one verb, he left. I cannot overemphasize the significance of this simple grammatical observation. Storytelling is all about the verbs. Whoever gets the verbs, that's who the story is about. The biblical story regularly includes people in dramatic fashion, but the story is always about God. The next time you're in church, pay attention to who gets the verbs in the sermon. Even better, note who gets the verbs in the songs. Is God the central actor, or are we the ones doing all the activity? Are we the people, the stars of the songs and the prayers and the sermons? In a word to my fellow songwriters out there, Pay attention to the voice of the verbs. We give God way too many passive verbs these days. Am, are, is, was, were. We don't so much take God out of the story as we make him a passive object instead of the active subject. The way we tell stories and the way we hear them shapes our memory and stirs our imagination. As you work your way through the Bible, pay attention. We'll pick up where we left off with Stephen's storytelling tomorrow.
This is the grammar of a martyr. God gets the verbs. The prayer of transformation. Lord Jesus, I am your witness. I receive your righteousness and release my sinfulness. I receive your wholeness and release my brokenness. I receive your fullness and release my emptiness. I receive your peace and release my anxiety. I receive your joy and release my despair. I receive your healing and release my sickness. I receive your love and release my selfishness. Come, Holy Spirit, transform my heart, mind, soul, and strength so that my consecration becomes your demonstration, that our lives become your sanctuary. For the glory of God our Father. Amen. And the question, what do you observe about the storytelling of Stephen so, so far? Excuse me. Why do you think Stephen is telling the people their own story? Why doesn't he launch into a defense of himself in the allegations? What do you think is going on here? What can be learned from it? And for our hymn today, what will be our hymn today? I've said in our email, we're going to be calling an audible. We're going to sing hymn number 102, My Hope is Built. Number 102 in our seedbed hymnal, our great Redeemer's praise, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Let's sing all four verses. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood, when all around my soul gives way. 
He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, Oh, may I then in him be found, Dressed in his righteousness alone, Faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. That is a favorite of many. Hard to beat it. Well, it's Monday, and um, maybe you're getting off to a slow start today. Maybe you're already out in the fields and you're listening. Either way. We have consecrate. We are consecrated. We are in active transformation because we're receiving what Jesus has for us today, and our our consecration and transformation is already moving into demonstration. The Holy Spirit wants to demonstrate the kingdom of Jesus on earth as it is in heaven as it is in your neighborhood, where you're going to be today. So just be ready, be attuned, be listening, and be bold. I'm going to be giving you the the new room update tomorrow, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'll look for you on the field today. For The Awakening, I'm J.D. Walt. We hope that today's entry challenged and encouraged you. And thanks for listening to The Wake Up Call, powered by Seedbed. Be sure to share this with a friend, leave us a rating, and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Find out more and join the movement by visiting our website at seedbed.com slash wakeupcall.